Oh yeah, dude, totally righteous. I love these two dudes and their double features. How it's, it's not a show for kids and they tell you that at the beginning. And how their opinions don't always align with their employers and they're not the same thing. Oh, good, good stuff, dude. Really helps when I'm floating on Michelle. Going from the Pacific Rim all the way to California. Oh, man. Oh, sorry. My name is Gamera. You might know me as the Guardian of the Universe, but listen, that's, that's my father's name. I'm just Gamera, Guardian of the Surf. Oh, dude, it's so sick. I'm totally gonna crash this surf party. Oh, man, it's gonna be righteous. Cowabunga! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And before we get into this episode, uh, I do want to make mention that initially it was planned to have a third dude, a uh, friend of the show, friend of mine, friend of Joe's, our friend Alex Ford. Uh, he's a big kaiju fan, he loves these kinds of movies. And we were going to have him on the show, unfortunately, through scheduling. It couldn't happen, but we do dedicate the show to him. He's awesome. Hopefully, we'll see him again soon. I, I hope that as well. It'd be nice to have him back on the show soon. So we'll have to next. We'll have to make a, just a secondary kaiju thing. I know we were, this is kind of like the all-encompassing, but you know, we'll make something for him. I think. We'll we'll make something work out. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know. How are you, dude? Too. It's nice to it's nice to finally record this episode. Actually, yeah. Um, I've just been very busy. I mean, in things that needed to happen, kind of busy. But right, like, yeah. It it was just it's just busy, and uh, as I'm record- recording this, I still need to finish editing the the, the our western episode. So um, I'll be working on that today and tomorrow. So hopefully, you'll get those. But that's the audience doesn't need to know that nonsense. But <laughs> we'll see if this stays in. Um, yeah, it probably will. I, I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. But no, um, I, I've been I've been okay. You know, I've actually been, um, I've I've been starting to like try to, you know, take care of my body a bit better than I, which have. is good. That's very good. It's very it's much better than I'm already doing. So <laughs> yeah, like because uh, because. Um, you know, I'm not trying to look to get like a beach bod or anything like that, but I'm just like dad bod, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I wish I, I don't know what kind of bod I have. It's just, oh gosh, it's, it's, it's like, uh, I, I'm surprised Steve McQueen isn't trying to hunt me down because I'm like the blob man, but <laughs> so oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, but I, I've been losing, it's been working out for me. You know, I've been, I've been cut a big thing for me. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Coca-Cola fan. Mm-hmm. I used to drink a bo- at least a, like a bottle every day. I remember like more. The, one of the few, of the few times I've been to your house, you like your fridge mainly Coca-Cola. It's like I, you were like a big yeah. Coke fan. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a co- big Coca-Cola fan. Um, 
But I, unless I'm going out, I don't drink Coca-Cola. I don't have it in my house right now, which is good. I'm trying to cut out bread. I've been walking. I've been walking on the boardwalk. And this weekend, I've walked about seven miles. Very good. Um, and that's like power walking, sometimes running, you know. And um, you really felt the burn because this weekend was so, so hot. Like right now, I'm in my really nice air-conditioned basement, and it feels glorious. It's 90 <laughs> degrees outside right now. I don't feel like melting like a popsicle stick. So I'm just going just gonna to stay right here. But other than that... Um, I've been I've been doing okay. I've actually been you know, uh, this is stuff that uh, probably w- was going to bring up to Allison at some point, but um, you know I'm collecting like tiki's more tiki stuff lately. I like tiki mugs and some of that you know some of those vibes and all that. So I got a couple mugs off of Mondo, um, and part of that's because at some point in my life I would like to build like a tiki bar. And just kind of, I, I like with the bamboo and have like, you know, have some different statues and, and things like that. Have like a, like a tropical, sort of tropical flair about it. Even though I'm not, I'm not a drinker, but I, I just like that whole, I like the, I like that tropical like I, island uh, aesthetic. I mean, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a bartender. It's my, that's my day trade, basically. I mean, it's a low, it's a, not a full bartender, but I'm a bartender. That's what it says on my schedule anyway. So, but I don't drink at all either. So I definitely relate to that. It's like, it's just, it's kind of weird. Like people will come up all the time and they'll be like, you know, like I'll know how to like serve them whatever it is they order, but I don't know anything about it. (laughs) I'm just like, no, this one, (laughs) this one doesn't have hops, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But (laughs) I, I, I've picked up, like mugs, I picked up like the T Rex from Jurassic Park as a mug, Simba, and the Cave of Wonders. I have a couple other ones that I have at home, but just sort of slowly but surely, eventually, when I do decide to like build a t- like my at home tiki bar, like have some of that stuff um, already put aside. Plus, it helped too because Mondo was having a sale, so I got my Simba tiki mug, which is more more yeah, which is normally like fifty bucks. I got that for free. Oh, that's which beautiful. Is nice. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so that that's really good. Um but yeah, it, it's it's been I have been taking care of a lot of stuff like I said, been busy, but it's uh a lot of good stuff going on. What about what about dude 1? Um you know, it's like admittedly like the last few days just with everything going on with like oh, I just hit my microphone. <laughs> with everything going on with like the CDC and the mask stuff and in my state, like they have this like stupid lottery thing that they're doing to get people vaccinated, but they're also just lifting all the health mandates in a couple of weeks. By the time this episode's out, they'll all be gone. But it's just like we've talked about this before, it just feels like everything's happening at once and it's a bit stressful and it's a bit concerning. And there's this massive amount of trust, this honor system that's put into place that it's like been broken or non-existent for the majority of like the past not just the past like year but the past four years and it's just it like increased tenfold this past year and so it's just really hard to like trust that anyone is at like like they're saying oh if you're fully vaccinated you have to wear a mask and it's like well how can we tell it's like even the card can be forged you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just me being a little paranoid, but it's just it's hard and a little concerning to just sort of like 
drop everything immediately. So I'll probably, and we've talked about this before, obviously, but you know, I'll probably still be wearing my mask for a while. Um, unless my work says anything, which at that case, I don't think they will because I've been told that they're still planning to keep the stuff up for at least the time being until otherwise, especially with the business I work in. It's just, it makes sense to keep it up. Other than that, uh, I've just been just chilling. <laughs> you know, I, I spend, I, again, I'm still kind of spending more time at home at the moment. Um, I've been watching a few movies. I actually watched, I, I started for the first time, um, the Fast and the Furious movies, which is, which is weird because I never thought that would happen. And at, I don't want to go too much into this because I actually kind of want to make a video about this for my next uh, entry in our YouTube catalog, which, by the way, Do Two's Pickups Volume 2 is currently out now. Check it out. Go listen to it. Um, it's very good. Joey did a great job. Two thumbs up. Um, <laughs> that one didn't scare me, actually. That's surprising. <laughs> but... Um, there was one major thing that happened, and I've told you this story already, but I want to tell it, I want to tell it here because I think it's important. So, um, there's this like this like sort of exchange type store. It's basically what it's called. It's like it's a type of store around. I'm sure I've talked about it, where uh, they have like movies, CDs, um, records, electronics, video games, collectible figures, all this stuff. They got all this stuff, and a lot of it is stuff that is sold to them, they got some people, they got some, like, I'm sure wholesalers, or they probably have some distributors, but ultimately, the majority of their inventory is from the general public. It's a pretty cool store. So, I like to sell stuff there periodically. Recently, I had a pile of stuff, so I went to the store, and the general procedure, I give them my stuff, they look over it, I look around the store, and I never really buy anything, because... I don't know, especially now, I just don't feel comfortable buying used things. That's not to say they don't take care of their stuff when they get it in, but that's just my own nonsense. So it's nothing against the store. But I I generally, I, with a few exceptions, I genuinely don't buy anything unless maybe it's fully wrapped or it looks like it was something obviously from a distributor or whatever. So this time, I go to the store, I give them my stuff, I hand them my ID, and they say, all right, we'll look over your stuff. You're welcome to peruse the store in the time being, and then whenever we call your name, you come up, we'll give you your offer. Cool. I look around. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Oh, this is a cool figure. Not buying it. Oh, cool. This is, they, got, they got this movie I was looking for. Oh, the, the, the case is a little cracked. Not buying it. So it's just like, just perusing the store. But then I see this Blu-ray box set. $75. I'm not willing to spend $75, but I really want this box set. And it's 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 hard to say no, but you but I feel like I have to simply because I don't want to spend that much money at the moment. But I say to myself, I'll I'll see what the offer is. So whatever their offer is to me, I will go with that and that'll be the determining factor in whether or not I leave the store with this box set. But I really want to leave the store with this box set. They call my name, they go up to the counter, they say, all right, in-store credit, 
your offer is like a hundred plus dollars. I don't remember the exact figure, but it's a hundred plus dollars in cash. We will give you $80 if you want that instead. I'm like, okay, if I took the $80 in cash, which is initially what I was going to do, and I wanted to buy the item, I would have left the store with five bucks and I wouldn't have been entirely okay with that. I would have been happy to have the item, but I would have rather had, you know what I mean? I would have rather had a little bit Mm -hmm. more money. Yeah, exactly. I get that. Sure. So I say, is it possible that I can pick up this item with the store credit and then get whatever's left in cash? And they said, oh, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I was like, cool. So we go grab the item. It goes through the whole procedure. I had a little bit of store credit I didn't know about, which helped. I think it was like 89 cents, I believe. And it was all put towards the item. And then they're like, all right, now that that's done, your reappraisal is $101 in store credit and $60 in cash. So effectively, based on this logic, knowing I was going to get the cash regardless because I didn't want any store credit, I effectively purchased this $75 Blu-ray box set for 20 bucks, which is pretty cool. That's amazing. So I left the store with this item I wanted, and I left with 60 bucks. And one of the movies in this box set is our very first film for this week's episode, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Gamera! Gamera! That's what I call a segue. <laughs> that might be the best like pre-show into main show segue we've ever done. Thank goodness it worked out like that. Because <laughs> otherwise I think we would have sounded insufferable for 15 minutes and then would have would have been like, oh, now we got the movie. <laughs> There's... Well, that's what we normally do. I figured change it up a little bit. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Gotta change it up. But yes, that was that was that was the story, <laughs> and I have it right here. So, and I blame you for this mostly, by the way. You're well. Uh, you're welcome. I guess. <laughs> I figured you'd be more happy about it. like. Well, you're welcome because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. So, <sighs> Gamera. Gamera, 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 Gamera. You say it three times, he appears. Say it four times, he kills you. Uh, <laughs> uh, he who must not, not be named is a, is a flying giant turtle. <laughs> Which, it's trust me, it sounds a lot better than... <laughs> it's, it does. It, do, it sounds a lot better. Um, this was uh, a 90s... Japanese kaiju film and more specifically this movie was a part of a whole like marathon experience that Joey had during lockdown last year yeah so last year obviously I picked up a lot of physical media last year like more physical media than I can remember picking up in like the last like decade or so it was kind of wild you know I picked up like the Bruce Lee box set from Criterion which you got me for my birthday thank you you're welcome um orca i picked so many movies but one of the big ones i got last year was arrows gigantic gigantic gamera box set with all 12 of the of the films in the series it came it was a huge beautiful box set came with a comic book i mean i still have it so i don't know why i'm talking in the past tense but like it it has it has a lot and like if you're like a giant monster fan it was like a must-have item but it was amazing because that item 
quickly became an out of print item. Like they only had like I think a couple thousand, and I think you can find it on eBay for like hundreds of dollars now if if you're trying to look for that specific set. But luckily, Arrow did put out new smaller new sets for the other Gamera films. But for those of you who don't know, Gamera, I, you know, I'm gonna say it like this only because. We're going to, like, praise the ever-loving hell out of this movie. <laughs> Gamera's a Godzilla knockoff. More or less, yeah. Like he's More like, or less. Like, the difference being is that, like, with Godzilla, you know, like, he, his whole backstory is a lizard, atomic radioactivity, made him big, and, you know, the whole... Gen- I'm probably butchering that regardless, but with Gamera, to my knowledge... He was, I mean, I've never seen the, the original, like, old movie, like, the Showa-era movies. But just to describe him, he is, yes, he is a giant flying turtle um, who has rocket propellers that comes out of his, like, shell holes. <laughs> it sounds so awkward and dirty to say that. Shell holes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Cancel me now. Um <laughs> And the difference between him and Godzilla, the biggest one is that Godzilla was Godzilla's kind of like Terminator in that when when we first meet him, he's bad because he's like he's destroying Japan, and you know in the later films he ends up fighting other monsters and sort of shifts his perception less of being like a villainous character to being more heroic and and saving Japan from other monsters. Gamera, to my understanding, was a hero from the get go, right? Well, the first the first movie the first movie he's a little has a bit more of a sympathetic edge to him because there's like they have a li- there's a little boy who li- who likes Gamera and there's you know the first one's not great but it does at least add that element that makes it that makes Gamera different mm-hmm. is that Godzilla at best in a lot of situations is an antihero that happens to be on the side of the humans sometimes but other times is a villain yeah you know like like I think about like the legendary Godzilla movies where. I don't know if Godzilla's a friend of humanity so much as he is just, like, he's trying to set the balance straight and trying to, you know... More of a force of nature. Like, an equalizer force of nature. Gamera is literally a friend to all children. Like, I remember you said in your review, Gamera's a superhero. Yeah. Basically, like, if he wasn't a giant flying turtle, he'd be, like, Superman or something. He Like, it was funny when we were watching this one, there was times I was like, is this Man of Steel? But, like, kinder? <laughs> <laughs> It's like he—he's such a like, uh, like especially the bits when like his his shell holes. I need to think of a different word. <laughs> like shooting like the 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 rocket the rocket fuel or the plasma or whatever, and he's like doing the Superman pose with his with his hands. Because like in the later ones, he's he he's got like wings, so he's more like a plane. Like more like the he's got like the turtle flippers that come out like yeah. so, something you would see out of like a like a sea turtle in like later films. Um, but, but like the first one, he's like. Yeah. <laughs> like you kind of want the Superman music to play because he's doing like the hand pose. But okay, so to put it in context, like Gamera had a number of movies from like the '60s into like the '80s where he got one last movie called Gamera Super Monster. Like Richard, you you remember all monsters attack from the Godzilla series as because you, you just watched all the Godzilla movies. Yeah, I did. I have a vi- I have a whole video about it. You should check it out. <laughs> you should. Um, this movie, if the, I'm glad that your exposure to Gamera started with uh, this era, <laughs> because if your exposure to Gamera started with Gamera Super Monster, um, I don't think you'd ever watch a giant monster movie again. 
I think I think it's a weird movie. <laughs> I think I said to you after watching because I watched all three of these movies. I said I don't want to watch the old ones. I don't want to ruin my image of camera in my head. <laughs> I, I want them the, to say those pure. old ones, ugh, dude. Dude, they're so they're so wild. Like there's like there's there's aliens. There's one that shoots a rainbow out of its back. There's one I think that <laughs> impregnates Gamera at one point. The kids go inside like the monster's body at one. It's so weird. <laughs> I mean, in the best way, but it's it's also just it's just kind of nuts. So. This movie, like, this is sort of, like, the, the big, like, this is the big reboot, okay? Because before the, the old, the Super Monster came out, it, it happened, whatever. They wanted to reboot Gamera, and initially they wanted to take it into a more kid-friendly, friend-to-all-children approach, like the older movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that That is not exactly what we got here. What we got instead is, a I feel, a very radical reimagining of the Gamera origin and the Gamera... Uh, yeah, as you put in the notes, the Gamera mythology. That was like throughout the like all watching all three movies. That was sort of the craziest thing. It's just how like how deep it kind of goes. You know what I mean? Like, there's I think is, is is do they kind of explain the 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 origin more in that comic? Did you read the comic that came with your thing? Um, I didn't read I didn't read the the comic um that came with it though. I think. The comic, I believe, was written by Matt Frank, and I think that comic is canon now. Okay, so... If I'm not mistaken. It's like, canon question mark? Or is it just like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think it's canon... Que- I mean, I'll, I'll, if I find out, I'll, I'll drop a piece of audio um, mm. in this. But did this movie, uh, directed by Shusuke uh, Kaneko, um, he wanted to make a Godzilla movie. But at that point, Toho knew who they wanted to make Godzilla movie, so it's kind of was kind of hard to break into that. Right. And he was like, Gamera. And because Gamera, like Mystery Science Theater, like there's so many Mystery Science Theater <laughs> episodes where they make fun of Gamera movies. In fact, I think the next couple of uh, Mystery Science Theaters for like the new reboot that they're doing, one of the movies they're doing is a Gamera movie from like the, from, like, the 60s or 70s. Um, and like Gamera is sort of like, the, like the, you know, he's like the Aquaman of giant monsters. Like, <laughs> King Kong and Godzilla. King Kong and Godzilla are like the Batman Superman. They are the classic icons. They're your grandpa's superheroes. They're the superheroes that are like, they're the giant monsters that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And then there's Gamera. It's like, you got Gamera? Oh, you, you couldn't get the other ones? <laughs> you loser. You thought you, you thought you were getting something good? What? Nah, fam. And then, but 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 what happens with this movie? Um, this movie, because Godzilla was was like had a hot streak in the '90s too. There's some really good Godzilla movies going on in the '90s, um, particularly Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, and and all that. But this was one of the few times in the history of, of this character where Gamera outclassed Godzilla at his own at his own game. And they were much cheaper movies than the Toho Godzilla movies. They were made at a fraction of the budget. And they were way better. These movies are so good. It was kind of like, again, I remember when you were watching all the movies and you were telling me about it. And then you got past the show era. And I and the whole time I was like, I was so nervous because I was like, I feel like he's going to say he wasted his money <laughs> because he just bought all these movies <laughs> and all he's saying is like, why am I watching this? But then he get then, you, then you got to guarding the universe and you were like, Oh my God, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And 
it was that along with just doing this episode that enticed me to want to get the box set and wow no that was like especially going through the whole show era of godzilla not to say like the whole thing sucked because there was a lot that were really good but there was a lot that sucked in my opinion i'm sorry (laughs) again i have a whole video about it um so it was it was such a nice thing because one of my main thoughts going through those movies is that i feel like this genre of movie could only get better at least from an aesthetic point of view as the technology gets better and as um people have a better understanding on how to make these movies because the one thing that always threw me off was these sort of wide sort of eye level shots of the monsters themselves fighting that was like so quick and and it just completely takes you out like as, as ingenious as it is to have the concept of a guy in a suit destroying miniatures, and if you fr- if you photograph it a certain way, it works perfectly. And yet, a lot of the movies, again, probably done quickly or done in a certain way or with, with the amount of money they had, again, had these wide shots from eye level, and it just really takes you out. And it just it doesn't you don't see the size, you don't see the scope or the or the or the or the physics or the scale or anything. But with this it, one, it, it's like. Yeah, it's like watching like wrestling. Yes, almost, which th- there's a certain joy in that as well. I mean, just like just seeing Godzilla like pummel uh, King Ghidorah, seeing all the monsters like just like do whatever Gorosaurus does like a front kick or whatever, <laughs> and it's like there's a there's a certain joy to that. So I I just wanted no, to, to no, bring no, that. no, no. There's I I definitely agree with that. Is there's definitely like if there's one consistently good thing about um the whole like. Showa era of Godzilla when I was watching it was the monster fights were at least entertaining even if I had that issue with it but when you watch this movie that issue was nowhere to be found like every mm. like every shot you saw the size of Gamera um, it was from the human's perspective which is where it should be you like this the speed was at such a pace that when when a punch was landed or something happened you felt the impact of it like when gauss was flying across the city and you just saw everything like like with the gust of his speed just like blowing the debris and everything and even just yeah that's a great scene the way the way they're able to 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 have like the miniatures combined with shots of like actual people also helped convey the size and so that was the biggest thing watching this movie. I was like, oh my god. N- not only do you get the greatness of like like the practical effects of a guy in a suit, but it was photographed perfectly. L- like, I have no problem with that whatsoever. So just, again, going from those movies to this, it was such... Like, I w- I've been waiting for this. <laughs> it's so euphoric. <laughs> yeah, because... I think we, we we're, we're fans generally of of the of the monster verse mm-hmm. um, and another movie we're going to talk about this episode. But I really wanted to show you this because you had been through a lot with the Godzilla Showa era movies, <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> yeah, I kind of I kind of look at Gamera the Gamera trilogies the way I sort of look at um, the Planet of the Apes trilogy, where this is sort of like some of the best of what you can do with like suit actors mm-hmm. you know as, as and like sort of like with the apes the like the best of motion capture and like it gets better and better with each movie like with, with, with Gamera they're able to um present it in such a way where it's like okay you know it's a guy in a suit 
but it's so it's so well done and you're able to believe it as like a character or yeah. a creature a creature that is on screen it's like there's no time watch there's no time watching it that you think you're looking at a guy in a suit like garrett like there's never a time i'm looking at the movie and i'm saying oh that's clearly some dude in like a turtle costume fighting a dude in like a pterodactyl costume like never once does that happen no yeah and I also, like, I think another big thing I want to mention, too, and you were bringing this up when we were watching the movie, is Jurassic Park. Oh, it says hardcore Jurassic Park vibes in the best possible way. Hardcore hardcore Jurassic Park vibes um, definitely makes me think of some of the opening scenes in Jurassic Park, like with the raptor paddock mm-hmm. in, in certain um, certain instances and, and all that. Um, the female thing, the fact that they, like, change their, yeah. their genome or whatever. Yeah. Because life finds a way life uh life finds a way i also you know i i like that one of our our main protagonists like the um i'm actually going to bring up the show era godzilla movies in a second but one of our main protagonists the the bird the bird science the bird doctor lady nagamine isn't that her name nagamine or whatever yeah we're we're not japanese speakers we're we're trying our best here we apologize um you know, I, I, and that's one of my favorite things about some of these movies that, like, sometimes, like, having, like, the military is such a boring perspective. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have, like, people who are scientists, like in Jurassic Park, where your main, your main protagonists are not, like, buff Arnold Schwarzenegger guys who are always going to be able to handle themselves in a situation. They're guys who, maybe people who understand, like, the creatures, you know, from a more, like, scientific perspective, yes. or naturalistic, um, point of view and understand like behaviors and are more concerned about trying to study these things he actually makes me like it makes me think of like ashiro honda godzilla movies who directed of course the first godzilla film and directed a number of the showa era films Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that like that the sort of like the human drama aspect where there's a lot of like interconnected stuff and like especially nagamine's character makes me think of um takashi shimura's character from the first godzilla film where she doesn't necessarily want to kill the creatures that's not her first goal per se it's it's really trying to like figure this out i was saying and that helps just from a a world building perspective as well because that at that point you're able to introduce characters that want to know who these characters are that want to know how they got here and it and it sort of it may it you'll have a lot of expositiony moments but it helps build things and it's not and it's and the exposition's presented in a way that makes you interested in how everything's going about. And it it definitely helps to have that sort of be Yeah. It's better to have someone who's curious at the center of your movie than someone who just wants to kill whatever it is that they're looking for. And speaking of which, I just um segue into the human characters. Because what does everybody talk about with a lot of these like monster movies it's, and things? It's just, I don't care it, about the humans. It's just about the monsters. We don't care about the humans. It's just about the monsters. And I, I will say this, like, I, I did appreciate that Godzilla vs. Kong made Kong more of a character. I think I think this movie and our second film and our double feature and the whole, I, I think, a good chunk of this Gamera trilogy really helps you care about, like, care more about the human perspective of things. And obviously, um, as, as, we, as we said, uh, Nagamine, um, you know, she she we like her as a character like right from the get go. Inspector uh, Osako, um, <laughs> who he he's in all three. <laughs> he, he he has such an arc in these movies. He goes from being like I don't want to deal with this to being like I hate dealing with this to going 
I'm tired of running. I'm going to take care of this. Yeah. Like, a- applause to that. Like, what a character arc on that guy. Yeah, so he's um, he's a lot of fun, and he's got get some get some nice uh, comedic bits as a character. And one of the definitely uh, very important for the subject of this episode is Asa- Asagi, Steven Seagal's kid. Yep, <laughs> I didn't even know that. And they were like, "That's Steven Seagal's kid." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Ayako Fujitani. Um, she is sort of the surrogate, like because as I said, Gamera, friend to all children. This sort of replaces that, where she uh, they she picks up this. Um, I, 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 they don't call it a totem. What do they call it's, it in in I the f- in the? I forget. Uh, but but they they essentially call it like a comma shaped bead. But it's like it's got a specific name. It starts with an M. It's not mana. Mana is like the energy of like the the planet or whatever that Gamera can like yeah. manipulate or control or, or consume or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like a. I'm not. I don't even know. I just know what they also call it a comma shaped bead, which helped because it looks like a comma. <laughs> but it connect. It connects her to Gamera, and I remember when we were first wa- first watching it, like because they don't spell it out immediately. That oh, they're connected now, like because like like she has like an injury that he sort of has. It threw me off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, you had to point it out to me, and I was like, oh, that so explains everything. <laughs> yeah like it's like her hand hurts did she get into a fight did someone pick on her for having a comma bead necklace or something and i i just kept my mouth shut <laughs> and then just more was revealed just like the dip on pirates of the caribbean <laughs> <laughs> only this led to something like like fun and not um potentially horrifying <laughs> and not you. me going die you son of a bitch joey this is cool <laughs> oh see that was so much nicer i appreciate that <laughs> but I, I and and you know and that monster relationship dynamic it continues into the into the other movies as well yeah and it get it reaches reaches sort of crescendo with the third film um you know which again this is mainly about the first movie guardian of the universe um but again like these trill like the characters go through, like especially Osaka goes through an arc. Asagi is on, is in is in all of them, and she's a great character. Um, you know, it's just it, it's 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 a lot of fun, honestly, to to see these people uh, throughout the movies. Like you know, I, and again, they're not people that I remember their names off the top of my head, but I just know that I like them. Yeah, I don't want anything bad to happen to like, them. Like I remember when the third movie rolled around, and I saw both of them, and I was like, "Thank you, I like this." Thank you for doing that. Watching it makes me it makes me think of like the Indiana Jones movies where the first one's my favorite. The second one, I while I like isn't as good and it doesn't have everything that I like from the first one. Then the third one has like a sort of reunion uh <laughs> with the people that you really liked and you're like, "Yay! Like, thank you. I appreciate it." <laughs> <laughs> but um man, <sighs> but spe- I was say speaking of the the comic shape bead like you know, like I said, we were talking about mythology, and like they, like we were saying, like they completely changed like the whole backstory. Like, like I said, we talked about this a little bit. Um, essentially, the bead makes her like a priestess to Gamera, and it, they, like we learn in the first movie that um, Gamera, like Gamera is essentially that Leviathan thing from Atlantis: The Lost Empire. 
like this like engineered monster <laughs> that um is meant to be like a guardian um along with gauss i believe was also created by they like they say atlantis i don't know if they ever specify like officially confirm that atlantis was where gamera is from but they essentially like link it to I think it's also in the comic uh, in... Gamera, the, the Last Hope. Yeah, I think that it's also... So he is Aquaman. <laughs> it's like Jason Momoa is a friend to all children. And I'm okay with that, because he, he's an amazing man. <laughs> <laughs> now I just want, want Gamera fly and just go, Mommy! Because he's trying to chase Gauss, <laughs> yeah! like 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 Gamera's Gamera's fighting Gamera's fighting. Um, no, here's a twist. Gamera's fighting Gigan, right? We're gonna have a crossover, and and oh, and he's doing a good job. But then Godzilla shows up to fight Gigan, and then and then Gamera goes, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But I also want to talk about the design, like. This is how you update, like, something that could potentially be seen as goofy. I think Gamera looks fantastic. Oh, he looks so good. In this movie. He looks great. I even, I have a figure of him, actually, up on my, up on my shelf. And he just looks, he looks so good. And it's, it, it perfectly suits the movie. And I think it's like, suits. it looks like bat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it it, per- it perfectly. I think it matches like the t- what the movie's going for, right? It's a more serious take on the Gamera character, mm-hmm. but it's got it's got a more friendly look than may than what what you would expect from like like a s- more serious giant monster movie. I guess it's the eyes. Like I think of like in the third one, the that sort of like f- like scary flashback memory of Ga- of Gamera without the pupils and without his eyes at all. They're just white. And it's he's kind of horrifying, but in this one, like he's not as spiky, he's not as he doesn't have as many fins, but and he and he looks intimidating because he's got those big tusks, and his 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 shell is more realistic in the way it's detailed, whereas like the one it looked just more like a bunch of squares and then a shell. Um, mm-hmm. but in in this, like the eyes very much come off friendly, like they're big eyes, they're sort of welcoming eyes. It actually, it's actually funny you mentioned like the lack of pupils because Shusuke Kaneko would go on to direct uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, and that's probably might be one of my favorite Godzilla designs where he has no pupils. It's just white eyes, and he's just like, and Godzilla is basically like the villain in that movie, and it's amazing. <laughs> So 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 now we know like he does the opposite superhero thing, whereas like superheroes will wear a mask, no eye, no just white, but it's just it's just funny that because you know, camera is the kaiju superhero. Let's be honest. I also want to just a uh, brief shout out to uh, Kao Otani for the music. I think the music is really good in this. It as, is really well. good. I like I like the um, the theme, like the camera theme song. It's like da 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 da. I dig it. No, it's 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 real. It's really good. Um, no, and and like I said, like I think Gauss, he sometimes looks goofy, and I think Matt Frank was pointing this out in the commentary track. It kind of looks like a Skeksis in some of the scenes, <laughs> especially like the close-ups, like whenever they have like the close-up shots and he's like eating something, he's like. Oh, but there's but there's such beautiful like pieces of like visuals in this, like when Gauss. And the big gal is on top of the one of the tower, mm-hmm. and you just—it's like with the sunset in the background, and like like yes. the towers destroyed. That's that's legit. My favorite, 
my favorite uh, shot, I think, of the whole movie is when Gauss is dying, but you see its beam in the air, and it's starting to, like, it's, uh, it's like, flickering, and, like, and it fades away. It reminded me of anime a little bit, because like, I've seen mm. that in anime a few times, and, you know what, it wasn't blue, so that's massive bonus points. <laughs> that ma- Massive, massive bonus points. Um, I think the big thing with, Gam- with Gamera is, <laughs> big thing. like... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so many puns, <laughs> so many. The puntastic world of Gamera, <laughs> my man, Gamera, guardian of the dad joke. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, because well, people talk about like serious reboots of potentially like you know silly things like superheroes and giant monsters all the time, but I mm-hmm. think this is one of those. That strikes the balance pretty well. It delivers on having enabling you to, to take the the characters and like the the stakes seriously mm-hmm. without losing the giant monster fun. Because I love seeing Gamera and Gauss just go to town, go at it. I love seeing Gamera just walk across this walk across the city, getting like ooze out of his hand or or whatever. It's like it's able to have the have fun, but. I'm able to care more. I'm invested in what's going on on screen as opposed to just, you know, having it be a fireworks show. It's, I think, I think when you, when you brought up the, the reboot ape trilogy, I think it was a really apt description because similar to the, to these gamma, specifically this one, obviously with those ones, they wanted to take, they wanted to take the world seriously without, taking away what made the world good to begin with mm-hmm. and what made that genre exciting so it's like they're they're telling these stories from a perspective of someone who cares so much about this genre and about this character and they're putting everything that they can to like pay respect to 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 how the character came to be but also modernizing it and 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 just like you know what I mean? It just it just makes it yeah you know it it has that sort of serious approach to it, but like you said, it doesn't take away any fun or any of the you know what makes these kinds of movies great. In fact, it improves on it. You know, it's again like like with the apes movies. You know, you know you have guys in great that the amazing uh, ape makeup, and then while with while we have modern technology, we still have guys in outfits. You know playing these characters like Andy Serkis plays Caesar and he plays it why didn't he get an Oscar that's a whole other conversation but I'm still going to ask it why doesn't he have an Oscar for play I'm just, sorry we're, we're going to ponder this um, during an intermission but um, we're going to hop in our uh, in our Jaegers and when we come back we're going to cancel the apocalypse stay tuned the following is not an advertisement for Stony Vista Entertainment. Any questions regarding copyright infringement can be filed through the law firm of Doyle and Doyle Tax Liquidations and Vehicle Repossession. Conditions may apply. The year is 1968, and the Japanese science fiction films of the 1950s and 60s have taken America by storm. A year plagued by political unrest and the looming threat of war overseas, American youth grew desperate for any sort of distraction. And then, out of the blue came Gamera vs. Godzilla, the smash 1967 feel-good movie of the summer that shoo-shooed away all the bad feelings 
and replace them with the screeching terror of mass destruction and lizard-like creatures. Yes, sir. The kids are no longer screaming for the Beatles. Now they're screaming for Gamera. A year later, Paramount Studios had gotten the message. The kids want Gamera, and they want it now. Quick as a flash, the boys in the back room churned out a script that would place gaping holes in the eyeballs of Paramount executives. By the spring of 1968, Paramount had begun filming Gamera vs. the Teens of Surf City, USA. To complete this masterpiece of a film, Paramount only needed one finishing touch, a theme song. In a stroke of brilliance, they turned to veteran surf rock icons, Tex Ritter and the Butter Sweets. 24 hours later, they had their theme song, and the teens of the late 1960s had an anthem. Now get yourself and your whole family ready for this rare, never-before-heard, remastered version of Gamera vs. the Teens of Surf City, USA by Tex Ritter and the Butter Sweets. Come to steal your girl. Let's go. 
we're back welcome back to two dudes one double feature in our last segment we were hanging out with a giant flying turtle it was fun it was a great time now we are jumping a little bit further into the future with a movie that is very very near and dear to joey and i the 2013 guillermo del toro film pacific rim you know what we are richard what are we joey Oh, we're two things, actually. One, we're a bunch of kaiju groupies. <laughs> <laughs> He's a kaiju groupie. He loves them. And And we are we are drift compatible. We are very drift compatible. <laughs> I, I do kind of feel like, though, sometimes we are the two. We, we are Herman and we are Newt. <laughs> a little bit. You, you, you would totally be Charlie Day <laughs> out of the two of us. <laughs> like, Joey, these are human beings. Why don't you come say hello? <laughs> oh, 10 wow. years of experience I'm very sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Pacific Rim this is one of those one of the few movies where where I saw it in theaters and I'm like this is already one of my favorite movies ever this is beautiful no question no question at all. Just awe-inspired the whole time. Just like... Oh. It's like... It's one of those movies that, like, no matter no matter what, like, I will put on and I will just love it every single time. I actually... You know what? I, this might sound stupid, but I actually cried this time watching it a little bit. Did you? I did. As It was all the, it was all the stuff with, with, with Pentecost and, and Mako. Because, like, their whole... The whole thing... Oh... Uh, like when he when he's getting into the when he's like putting the suit on and she's like you can't you'll die and he's like we gotta save we gotta save and it's like really cheesy but I'm like <laughs> yeah and then like when when he like when he like presses the button when he's when when they're under the when they're under the ocean he's like you can finish this I'll always be with you you can always find me in the drift and you're like <laughs> uh, see I love I also love like the first like flashback like sort of like quote unquote flashback that we see. You know what? Let me just get into the movie. We'll get into that okay. stuff. Okay, sorry. I just, sorry. I just, no. I, I you cried. Have to understand, you have to understand something, folks. This is Pacific Rim is really important to both of us. It, it's as I was trying to, I was just saying right before we were recording. It's sort of like a, if you want to take a Venn diagram, one side is Joe, one side is Richard. This movie literally meets right directly smack dab in the middle of that shared interest thing in the in the Venn diagram. It it has everything we both love in movies and in storytelling, like great world building, fun characters, Guillermo del Toro, giant monsters, just it's it's everything. It has everything we love about movies. Period. In case you haven't seen this movie, um, and instead saw Grown Ups Two the weekend this came out, um, little brief description. <laughs> Which is sad. Which is a sad truth. Now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about that. Yeah, I, that's. I'll never. For, I'll never forgive anybody who saw Grown Ups Two that week. Normally, I'm a nice person. That's something I'm, I'm going to hold a grudge against for a while. Why did you do that, people? Why did you why? make that choice? Why? 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 Unless you're, unless you're, you know, like why? It's not even a good Adam Sandler movie. There are better ones out there. There, there, there are, are much. Ones. There are good funny ones compared to this. There's. So many, what? Never mind. 
Yeah, this crew. is not uh, so. This this movie basically there are giant monsters attacking. They're coming from they're coming from this portal in the Pacific Ocean. The one way <laughs> we're trying to fight them off with giant robots called Jaegers. But the thing is, which in German means hunter, by the way, which in German means hunter, and the Jaegers, um, you the, the the strain of using a Jaeger is so great that you need two pilot you need at least two pilots generally speaking to pilot a Jaeger. So you want to keep going with this? I'm sorry. You look like you oh, want to oh. jump in. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Basically, they get these two pilots for the for these Jaegers because again, it just takes so much neural energy and brain power to even operate one. It's so big. I mean, even the kaiju have two brains so that they can operate because they're so big. So the pilots that they find are people who are who a have a strong bond and b are drift compatible which is a very unique skill to certain human beings it's basically saying people that have amazing chemistry and these people when they go into the to this jaeger to pilot it they go into this thing called the drift and the drift essentially shares and melds their minds and their memories and their experiences and it it bonds them forever and so, in a lot of instances, the best pilots for Jaegers are siblings, uh, twins, we see a few times. People who genuinely um, connect in a really strong way. So, this method is initially working. Of all the things that are happening and how we're trying to combat the kaiju, this is the way that's working. Um, yeah, it causes a lot of destruction, but, you know... The world does get better, and literally to the point where they start commercializing kaiju. There's like tennis shoes and action figures and, and funny costumes on TV shows. But then, at the start of our movie, things shift a little bit. In the year 2020 of all years. It's weird. <laughs> How did Guillermo del Toro predict something bad was going to happen in 2020? Listen, listen, I've seen Guillermo del Toro's, like, man cave house, and I'm sure he has a crystal ball where he's able to predict the future. <laughs> he has so many things. He's found a working crystal ball that maybe he, like, like the Haunted Mansion was, like, built, because he has a whole Haunted Mansion room in Bleak House, mind you. So he probably, like, they probably got, like, a working one, and, and they're like, we can't use this. It might do bad things in our parks. And Guillermo's like, I'll take it. <laughs> he talked to Madame Leota. They had a cup of tea. <laughs> like, the world will end in 2020. It's like, oh, it must be Kaiju. <laughs> no, but that would be cool. Sort of. Not really. <laughs> it's just, just like like <laughs> Male Maleficent slash the evil evil stepmother from Cinderella like told us that twenty twenty is gonna be awful, man. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 yeah, like thing things go wrong, um, and we can definitely see this because as we said, siblings they typically make good good drift compatible partners, and we have you know. Are our Beckett boys. The Beckett boys. The Beckett boys. Beckett boys. What? <laughs> Gonna be a lot of laughing in this episode. <laughs> uh, but yes, we have the Beckett boys who are Charlie Hunnam, who's our main character, uh, Raleigh Beckett, and uh, his older brother, 
uh, Yancey Beckett, I believe. His name's Yancey, right? I don't want to get that wrong. Yeah, I, for, I forget so, that sometimes, yeah. So his brother Yancey and him are piloting our, our hero, uh, hero Jaeger, Gypsy Danger, which is the coolest name. Oh my god, I mean, like, there's so many great uh, Jaeger names. Like, I love Crimson Typhoon, which is a great, it's the one with the three arms, you know? Um, but there's just something so cool about Gypsy Danger. S- such a cool name. Gypsy also has a great design. My favorite my favorite Jaeger name is Coyote Tango. That is a great one. That is a really good one. It's like, there's some, but like, basically, they think it's like a standard routine fight a kaiju type of operation. Knife head. Knife head. Category three. <laughs> no problem. And so, it turns we got out. This. No. No. And, um... It goes disastrously wrong, and like, and uh, Yancey gets killed in the process, which is extremely while, painful. While he's in the drift with Raleigh, yes. too, yes. which is incredibly yes. intensely important. painful. So not only are you experiencing great physical pain because you're fighting a giant monster with a knife for a head, you're also like experiencing the emotional like strain and the mental strain of being in the drift while losing the most important person in your life and then and then operating the jaeger by yourself yeah so all of these things are happening at once which just really really messes up raleigh and when we meet raleigh he's like an incredibly enthusiastic somewhat naive a little bit cocky you know he's like like his yancy's a little bit more humble in that like he's 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 like I would probably be Raleigh. You would probably be Yancey in this in this scenario. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, we're gonna go fight a kaiju, and you're like, slow your roll, kid. <laughs> just like I'm more 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 down to earth, more grounded. I'm I'm my head's in the clouds. Your head's in, but dude, I also think about like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is is that when you see like the the old the great like the old guy and the kid, <laughs> and you see Gyp, you see Gypsy Danger come in like beat to hell. Sh- like oh my god and it oil collapses. bits and pieces are falling off and and, and and you see raleigh come out I, I think it was such it's such a beautifully put together like moment like visually speaking and it's one of my favorite posters of the movie too where you really get to appreciate this uh, we talk about size in the gamma episode you really do get to appreciate the size of these things again it's scale and 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 physics matter so much with movies like this because if you don't have that even if you're at eye level, if you don't have that, like, it, it completely ruins the illusion, and it takes you out so much, and it really does help with this with this type of genre. I still think that as technology's improved and we were able to do other things and, and do bigger things with computers and technology and filmmaking, it really emphasizes that fact. So... In a lot of ways, this genre is perfect for modern technology mm. because you can make these as much as it, it's great to be able to have like a guy in a suit and the practicality of like the Gamera movie, which when done right was beautiful. With this, you know, you go even further having the digital creation. Again, not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's it's a whole different level and it's just kind of crazy. Like I still think of the scene. Um, when he's carrying the boat, which is the, probably the most like like amped up hardcore scene. We'll get to that whole moment, honestly. Oh but gosh. it's it's just oh anyway. But he um, he collapses 
in Alaska with the old guy. I, I loved a little bit when, like, the kid's disappointed that they didn't find, like, money or something. And he, and, and like, they find, like, this, this robot toy and the dad, and, and the old man's, like, actually pretty, like, stoked about it. He's like, hey, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah. we, like, just in the middle of Alaska, we found this thing. It's pretty cool. So, maybe they'll, maybe they can see Russia. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's, a, that's an old reference. Uh, <laughs> so, um, that's when we transition into our main story, because... It was like what five years later i think like i think like five five years later you know raleigh you know is is sort of going from place to place like going onto like construction crews because they're building walls okay this which also again is this movie you made was was made bef- in 2013 and yet it's the, relevant for a lot of reasons i mean the building walls because they think that's going to do a better job protecting protecting people um from the kaijus than confronting the problem and dealing with i guess you know like they're they're they're, they've lost all trust in in the jaeger program and so the all the world leaders um who are talking to pentecost idris elba's character and basically saying we'll we'll fund you for a little for a couple months more but uh, but we're focused on this now this is this is the way out this is how we deal with it it's just prevention at this point you can't stop them you suck we're done goodbye and then and then um pentecost is like no, we don't need those guys. I have an idea. <laughs> it's it's like uh, Avengers. I recognize he made his decision, but given it's a stupid ass decision, <laughs> I feel like to do ignore chosen, it. <laughs> I've chosen to ignore it. <laughs> and so he's trying to assemble like a team of like you know the best the best Jaeger pilots he can from around the world. Uh, a team from China because they their base the 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 Shatter Dome their base uh, for the Pan Pacific Defense Corps, I believe it's called. Is set in Hong Kong, and so they get uh, uh, Crimson Typhoon, Crimson Typhoon, um, Cherno Alpha. But the Russians, like, they're, they're <laughs> not like amazing characters. But you, rem- I remember them. I'll remember them for the rest of my life. You'll, you'll ne- like, dude. The moment they walk out, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I recognize you guys. So, and then there's um, the Australian team of. Uh, uh, oh crap! What I just why Striker Eureka? Striker Eureka. Thank you, is the Jaeger. Thank you, Striker Eureka, which is um, Chuck Henson, who uh, is the sort of token jerk of the movie, and Her and Hercules Henson, which is a great name, also, um, who's like a veteran fighter. Can, can veteran I can, tell you, can I tell you uh, Herc's like name in real life? Yes. Max Martini, which is an equally excellent. <laughs> this guy, man, great all around. <laughs> I hope there. I hope this doesn't get dated if something bad comes out about him. Yeah, don't do any bad stuff, Martin, Mister Martini. Please, we, don't. Pre- we we appreciate it if you don't, because we like you right now. Um, but no, so like all these all these collected Jaeger pilots and. Basically, uh, f- retooled, reconstructed in a way, and uh, and just aqu- uh, acquired uh, Jaegers are all teaming up for like a final bout with the kaiju, and they even get a research team with Newt and Herman, our resident scientists. We talked about him a little bit. Um, Herman is sort of the uh, like 
he's he's sort of like a play up on like a generic like generic kind of scientist but like he's just so much fun and the dynamic between him and newt and newt sort of like this like wannabe rock star like he wants to be cool and so (laughs) so like um and admittedly it plays off pretty well and like the only thing i really liked oh like not only thing but like one of the few things i actually really liked about the sequel (laughs) like his whole weird arc in that movie yeah 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 But they have such a great dynamic because they're, like, always so, like, against each other and the way that they do things are different. So, like, Herman's more about the numbers and, and trying to figure out, like, like the, the base of everything, whereas Newt's more about trying, like, bold, weird things. Just trying to throw things at the wall until something until something works. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which I, I feel like, I feel like, honestly, you, you brought up, how, like, the drift compatibility of the Beckett boys... I honestly feel like we're these two characters in actuality. <laughs> yes, we really are. We, we we really are in a lot of ways. And sometimes I feel like I I sound like Charlie Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just need to start talking more like this. <laughs> this is two dudes one double feature. I'm do two Joe. <laughs> <laughs> See, like. Dude, he, uh, Ber- Bern Gorman is in everything. Can we just he's, appreciate that? He's in everything, and he's so good. The first time I saw him in anything was Dark Knight Rises, because he was like the henchman guy to yes. um, Ben Mendelsohn, who's also great in in everything. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then he's worked with Guillermo del Toro twice now, because Crimson Peak was the other was the other one I can remember anyway. Because he wasn't um, in Shape of Water, to my not. He could have been in Shape of Water, but you he know wasn't. he should be he should be in Star Wars because I think he'd make a great like Imperial guy. He'd be so he'd be like he'd be a great moth. I want to see him as a moth. Like <sighs> he should he should be in like season three or four of Mandalorian. Moth <laughs> Herman, make it happen! Make it happen, Favreau. It's molten. It's Moth Herman. <laughs> no, but I I I just love that like. People know what kind of movie that that they're in, but oh, there's, yeah. there's still like, but there's still like a sincerity about the performances. Like one of my favorite moments of the whole movie, it's like a specific line where like the mission control guy with the sideburns is like Kaiju signature rising. Oh, Tendo, yeah, Tendo. It just sounds like an action figure, like toy. Like we talk about like toy commercial <laughs> kind of line, but it it fits perfectly. But he's totally like in the in the moment as that character. Kaiju signature rising. <laughs> you got you got to imagine like when he, when Guillermo del Toro saw that with it, he's like, "That's the best delivery we've had all day. We can cut now. Let's go have lunch." <laughs> we will not do better than that, guys. I'm sorry. And everyone's like, that's, that's a wrap. <laughs> no, we're Everybody, done. Everybody, go back to the drawing board. That's Your performances it. are going to be based on that line. <laughs> Moving forward, we're going to reshoot the whole movie. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but it'll be great. That, that's a, but that's a big thing with this movie is I'm not saying any of these characters like reinvent the wheel or anything like that. Most, let's face it, most of the time they don't. But but you, but you know what? There's so many movies like this that try to deconstruct the wheel and tell us why it works as opposed to this movie. It just goes, we're just going to use it and ride the wheel. We're going to, we're going to like understand what genre we're in. It's like with Aquaman, we were talking about with that. 
it's a movie that knows what it's adapting. It's a movie that knows what story it's telling, and it goes hard in that. It's not saying like, oh, this is what we need to do to like explain why these movies work. They're not they're not winking at the camera like, you know, not to sound mean, but in a lot of Marvel movies that sort of do that just to like, you know, mask any sort of like use of weird things in order to like explain it away it's like oh that's why that's there it's weird we're aware of that but this movie's like no 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 we want it to be weird and we're just gonna let it be weird you know i guess we've no, i guess it's he, not like it's not like yeah we know it's we're like yeah it's weird isn't this so cool like it's like it's 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 basically like whenever like you have this like great new toy hey, you know what you know what i just thought of this so recently joey and i I'm sure we've talked, I, I think we talked about this. Uh, I was showing Joey a couple videos from this guy named Tim, who's this old guy who has, like, these vintage toys that are, like, so weird and so fun. He's got a whole series on YouTube called Grand Illusions. You have to watch it. This movie's, like, that guy. Just, like, he doesn't even care how weird the toys are that he's showing off. He's like, how awesome is this? This is so cool. What a mess. What fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the human characters in this, I love all of these people. And there's there's I no one I hate. I remember their names. Like there's I, no I, one I hate. I, they're all great. I think they're all really good. <laughs> like like it's like the crazy thing again. Like everybody, I, even when there's a character whose name we 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 either are trying to remember or not, we want to remember because we want these characters to be remembered. For like. I was and like with Raleigh. Let's start with Raleigh. Raleigh is our central character. He, when we meet him again after everything that happened again, he was really cocky. Now he's super humbled, and he's super like, you know, he he has a bit of a tortured vibe to him, but he doesn't. He hasn't lost any of that charm or positivity. Like he's, like I I remember when he meets Mako for the first time, and and he's like, what do you like, you know, what do you think? You know, you've read up on all on all my missions and stuff, and she's like, I think you're reckless. I think you're a bad choice. And, he, and and before, when he was a kid, when he was younger, he probably would have been like, you don't know. What are you talking about? No, this time he's like, well, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. But it's just such a nice breath of fresh air. You know? Yeah. Just that he's humble from the jump, more or less, when like the story really kicks off. And then on top of that, it, it really sort of solidif- helps like solidify that these two characters become so close not even from like just a romantic thing which would have been so cliche but just from like a deeply emotional standpoint that they get to towards the end of the movie that they are so close that you don't it's not necessarily pegged as romantic or friendship it's just a bond Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and with and with raleigh and like i was watching the movie and i was like thinking about how you described jake sully in our avatar episode and i was like in that in that realm in that description raleigh feels a lot like jake sully 2.0 and that Mm. taking taking some of that like same thing like you know he lost his brother he's being introduced to a whole a whole new with with some experience being introduced to a whole new ballpark or a new ball game in a way and but the difference being is that, you know, maybe maybe just the performance or the way the character is written, but he comes from a from a more positive, wanting to learn more, wanting to do more kind of attitude versus 
Jake Sully, who's sort of got more of like a, an intense sort of like clash a bit when he first is introduced with like the scientists and everything. And not mm-hmm. to say, not to say, you know, not to diminish Jake Sully, but I do think this is sort of like the next step for this kind of character. Yeah, I, I would definitely, I would definitely, um, I would definitely agree with that. And, um, you know, it, it's, it also, it, like Raleigh, because I, I know people, it's easy, it would be easy to dog on a character like Raleigh, but I think, I think they, ha- he's handled very well. And, I and think, he's very important. Um, um, very important to the story, but that there's. There's, I, I, and just also like Idris Elba, Idris Elba is iconic in this movie. He is, oh, Stalker, Marshall Stalker Pentecost is just such a great character. He, again, he's like the elevated version of like the president from Independence Day. (laughs) (laughs) Even just having like his own like dope ass speech at the end of the movie, like, we're gonna cancel the apocalypse! And he gets into the action and stuff, you're like, yeah! He is, he is so good. This might, it might be Idris Elba's best movie as a lead. I, I would, I would agree with that, honestly. Which is a weird thing, which is a weird thing to think about because I love Idris Elba. I think he's a terrific actor. And, I mean, I'm hoping Suicide Squad, the, the Suicide Squad is great. Like, Same. You know, but there's so many movies where he's just like the supporting guy, like in um, in like the Marvel movies, or there's there there's some movies that he's done that are like, eh, you know. But like this, I feel like like when you like when you come down right to it, I think this is one of his like one of his just best performances. He should be really proud of his work, like as a character, like Stacker. He has like this strength about him. But I I think about the scene. This is what I was bringing up earlier when mm-hmm. Raleigh is first exposed to like Mako's origin, which we'll get to Mako in a second. Um, but, and then we see, we see Stacker in, in like Coyote Tango come out, come out of the Jaeger and he's by, I believe he's by himself at that point. Or yeah. That, I don't really, yeah, he, it, he comes out by himself. He might've had another he's pilot, by, but it's just him. I think, yeah. And he, it's like, there's like this triumphant glow and he's like, he's got, he's, man, he's just a great character. <laughs> I just, I don't know. <laughs> he's such a great character and it's, he's not just the typical hard ass like you know sort of like like again he's a marshal he's not like the sort of typical hard ass like leader character in like the military like he has genuine emotion and so like a lot of his decisions in in a way feel like they're they're from a point of emotion more than a point of logic especially with mako who he has such a strong relationship because he's basically uh was a father for her because similar to um the one character in Gamera 3, Mako lost her parents, lost her family during a kaiju attack, and then um, uh, Pentecost saved her. Yeah. And so they have that, again, that strong bond, which I think that's sort of like the the, the whole crux of this movie is the sense of community and, and chemistry and bonding. You know, they, we, like obviously we talk about... Um, like just the monster fights and everything, but I think they they took the time to develop this one sense of community, and and having all these characters with these strong relationships with each other, like like Raleigh with his brother, and then Raleigh with Mako, and Mako with Pentecost, and even Pentecost with Raleigh in a way, or even when Raleigh sees Tendo for the first time, and he, and he's like you know he gives him like he's like it's been such a long time, I missed you so much, you're you look great, you f- it's like it's it's weird to say. Okay, and people are going to give me pushback, but I feel like it's like a modern Star Wars where there's a whole universe that has happened. 
off, yes. some of it on screen, some of it off screen. But there's a lot of stuff that's told to us that like, okay, this is this happened before, and it's a whole it's a whole world, you know, as, essentially. And we don't get we don't get too many big budget versions of that. No, we don't. We don't like the only time it ever happens is when you know these directors will make these kinds of movies and they don't get any audience because and it's sad it's sad to say that but i feel like a lot of modern audiences either prefer they're 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 they're, they like what they're familiar with what they're comfortable with which again we've talked about it there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but if you if, if that's all you're doing you're not opening yourself up to new experiences um that's, that's true, and I also like continuing on on the on the, on the line of characters. Mako, Mako, is life. Mako, first off, Ringo Kikuchi is fantastic in this movie. I didn't even know that she was the first Asian to be nominated for an Academy Award for. I think she was in Babel, the Alejandro Inarritu movie. Wow. So like, which again, Alejandro Inarritu is is very close with Guillermo del Toro. They're best, like, they're good buddies. It's, like, those two and Alfonso Cuaron are, like, they're all, like, best friends. And they hang out and they do things. I hope, you know what? I hope they're all vaccinated and I hope they're hanging out right now as we're doing Yeah, this. me too. I hope they're all, I hope they're all having a good night. Yeah. Uh, Rico Kikuchi, Mako, our, our, our amazing character, um, when we first meet her, she clearly has a purpose and a drive is that she wants to be a Jaeger pilot. She wants to get in that to get in Gypsy Danger with Raleigh. She even though she was co- meant to just commission other pilots to see if he can com- his drift compatible with them. All she wants is to get out on get out on the field and get revenge for what happened to her family. And Pentecost sees this and says you can't do that. Like, like I, I, I commend what you want to do, but I can't like I can't have you do that. And so, and I love I love the scene when her and Raleigh are fighting in that sort of like that dialogue. Yeah, because that's when you really see the chemistry, and that's what you really see, um, not just between Charlie Hunnam and Rinko Kikuchi, and just how well they work together, but also those two characters, in that you're seeing. Um, these two characters who didn't know anything about each other and sort of felt sort of distrusting to each other, even though Raleigh was very nice and kind to her, she was sort of nervous and sort of standoffish around him. She didn't really trust him, as as we know. And then, like, obviously, it sort of builds to that point when he's fighting with the other guys, and she's just basically saying, you suck. <laughs> you, you can't fight for nothing. And he's like, mm. he's like, you, you want to you you come in the ring? She's like, okay. <laughs> and so they fight. But And every time, like, you know, she she like lands a strike essentially like a lands a kill blow you, like i love on his face there's no sense of like anger or or disappointment in himself he's just so impressed with her and how great and 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 how right she was in in her assessment of him and like i love the bit when like this one shot when this when when she gets the bow staff like this close to his face and he's smiling he's like i love her She's like, like it's there, it's perfect, and like he he's so adamant that this is the pilot, this is this is the one, and 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 Stalker is initially like, no, I we can't have that because again he has that emotional connection, and so 
Again, I'm just, we're just gushing <laughs> ultimately about this movie. But Mako's Mako's so good, and she gets the most character development of all the characters, I believe. Yeah, I she she's certainly like a character you you, you become very attached to, um, and I, and that's why the drift is such an ingenious like part of this story because it really does help with the emo- the emotional weight of these things and helps you get more invested in, in these giant monsters fighting you know ro- uh, robots fighting giant monsters like and that, that makes me think of of the gamera of the gamera movies where you have like the human the human monster bonds in the in those movies you know and it helps it really does help concrete and ground those things and helps you go okay I'm like I don't want to see these people get hurt I want to see them you know triumph and succeed and it's the same exactly. thing with with with, with Mako um Mako in this movie and as far as like the cast, we there's one person we have not mentioned yet that I really want to talk about. Oh, this boy. <laughs> <laughs> this boy. Listen, I'll just say this much. If and if, if I'm assuming correctly where you're going, um, if we couldn't get Hellboy three, I'll I'll take this as like a as like a next like like Plan B. This is a yep, nice Plan that's B. That's exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is a great yes. Plan B, and I appreciate seeing. Um, those two team up again, Guillermo and, yes. and Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman is so good as Hannibal <laughs> Chow. <laughs> just first off, just his outfit is perfect. It's such a like like he's he's dressed like a gangster, but like he's got like so much like style, and he's like got gold on him. Like I love his shoes. Yes, it's like nice like dress shoes, but they have like metal like. Pe- plates like gold metal like spike plates on like the 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 point of his shoe and he has grills in his teeth he's got these crazy sunglasses he's got a he's got a butterfly knife that's gold he's got rings (laughs) and his whole character Hannibal Chow runs this sort of like kaiju farming black market which is such a great world building thing, by the way. Just the fact that there are people that like, because that just makes sense. You know, when when a kaiju dies, it just makes sense that just harvest all the stuff from the kaiju that like helps build the society up a little bit. Yeah, like there's whole buildings made of like kaiju teeth and skull. Yeah, I mean, there's like I said, there's a whole like Star Wars. There's a whole world. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole universe. Exactly. And just also. Hannibal Chow's name. They went into such thought of his name. His favorite historical figure, obviously, like Hannibal. And you know, and his and second his, favorite Szechuan his restaurant. Favorite. His second, second favorite. favorite. Which <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing, like the first favorite is, is like the name isn't good, but like isn't as catchy. But like the food, the food's amazing out of this world. Exactly. Right? Like like this restaurant. This whatever this restaurant is has the best food. Uh, the best Szechuan food, but then like the second one just had a much better name, and it's in Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he, he. I mean, Rob Perlman is perfect at playing that type of role, just to, to instantly convey. So you good. know exactly what type of person, <laughs> what type, what type of character uh, th- this this man is like, and that's a big thing. Like, you know, th- the humans. The humans in this do play such an important and integral role. Like, the humans are also just as colorful as the kaiju. You know what I mean? Yeah. They might come off somewhat one-dimensional or two-dimensional, depending on who you talk to, but 
there's no there's no question at all that they didn't put their effort they didn't put the effort in to make these characters interesting and exciting when you saw them as much as much as when you saw the kaiju fighting the jaeger and so like and man oh my god freaking rod perlman man (laughs) rod perlman but let's let's as far as the humans go, those are the basically those are the big ones to talk about. Mm-hmm. The overall design of this movie, particularly, let's talk about the 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 Jaegers and the Kaiju. First off, like one of one of the things I love that um, Guillermo del Toro mentioned in the bonus feature is that they didn't want to make any of the Kaiju based off reference. So, like, they wanted they wanted the Kaiju to be their own thing. So, like, nothing. There's a couple of notes. Like nothing in these uh, in these kaiju designs were meant to sort of reflect like Godzilla or Gamera or any of these other sort of famous kaiju monsters. They wanted them to breathe in their own. A lot of the references more from like actual animals. So like there's one that looks kind of like a gorilla. There's one that kind of looks like a like a shark. There's one that kind of looks like a crab. So there's definitely some reference to real life, but not to the genre itself. And then on top of that. And this is one thing I thought was pretty cool and sort of um, sort of a nice homage to how they used to do these kind of movies in Japan. They wanted the first question they would ask is, can a guy fit in this? Like if this was a guy in a suit, can he fit in this? So a lot of a lot of the designs are sort of dictated by that. So in a lot of ways, you look at the designs, they sort of have that like sort of a human anatomy and that it, you can believe that a guy could fit in a suit like that. Like I look at Knifehead. And and he like the way he's designed specifically, he still kind of looks like a guy could possibly fit in that suit. Like he actually makes me think. Like I know you said that like some of these stuff they take ideas from nature, but I think about like some of the um, there's some monsters in Gamera that look just like that, <laughs> just like that, you know, in like the the older in the older films, uh, and definitely there's some other like you could definitely just infer your own sort of like semi callbacks on things. Like you know, you think about. You think about uh, Leatherback, uh, I believe, is the is the is the gorilla, the gorilla one, leather, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the gorilla one, sort of like a King Kong, and then Otachi, which that's like that's the coolest, that's one. like the best, that's the coolest one easily. Like that one, that one they put the extra work into because they wanted to sort of evolve as he. So like he starts off in the in the in the sea fighting Striker Eureka, and then um, then the way he looks in uh, in the streets fighting Gypsy, and then of course the big reveal moment with the wings. Which I, I remember when that happened in the theater, everyone went, "Whoa!" <laughs> no, yeah, and like that whole scene, that whole fu- that whole scene with like with, with leather leather leatherback and and Otachi is the best se- sequence in the whole movie. It's without a doubt, without a doubt. It's so that was good. the first scene. That was the first scene I used to test out my 4K setup, and. Like wow. when I was I was watching it with Feehan and Mike, and our our butts were blasted out of the seat <laughs> when, when we were hearing the music and just like the bright colors. It was oh, uh, it's it's amazing. You know I wish I could have seen this in IMAX. I'm I'm surprised you. Uh, I'm admittedly surprised you watched, knowing how excited I would imagine you guys would be watching it. I would be if it was me. I'd be afraid because I'd be like, they're gonna hit something in the man cave. They're gonna break. Something. Yeah. Like if you're gonna be excited, put your arms in like you're in a plane. <laughs> see, see, Feehan and Mike are among the few people I could trust, like, to not hit something in the man cave. Like, <laughs> funny enough, we're three big guys, but, like, I know they would be pretty careful. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I'm sorry, Joey. It's okay, as long as you didn't do anything. <laughs> but, like, that whole sequence, I mean, like, that's really when, like, the imagination 
like kicks in. Like I think about like just the gags. Like 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 when they do like the punch happens and then you're the or like the bit or like the bit when they're walking away and they're like, wait, hold on. Let's check and see if he's he might still be alive. Let's check if there's a pulse. They just shoot him. <laughs> like, no pulse. <laughs> <laughs> or, or 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 like when Gypsy's like like ba- like backing up and it hits it's the part of the dock and then, like the seagull like, flies away. It's like ding. <laughs> like it's just it just shows the pers- like the perspective of everything. It keeps everything in perspective like how massive these battles how massive these battles are and just how small everything, <laughs> everything else. else is again that one scene when he when they carry the boat and it just the music playing right there it's just like dun 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 Ramin Ramin Jawadi Ramin Jawadi like he's done a lot of great things like Game of Thrones Westworld um Iron Man mm-hmm. this this is this is his best work in my this, opinion this is his I crown this jewel is, I I got it this is easily easily like my top like 5 like favorite scores in any movie my um my friend eric who you've met when we went to new york um he also loves this movie dearly so like anytime pacific room is mentioned he'll he'll like turn his body into a robot and he'll go duh, 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 duh. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yeah <laughs> it's it's again like star wars it has that iconic the music is iconic it's so iconic you hear it immediately. You're you're in you're in Hong Kong. You're Gypsy Danger. You're fighting Otachi, and you got the boat. You got the you got that music playing, and you just got like the badass like shot of the pilots inside, which apparently was such a hard rig to work. So they always had to work out consistently, like superhero train. Yeah, and so like like that would probably give you a good workout, just being inside of a Jaeger. Just like with the like the way you have to operate the like legs and everything, it looks like a, like an elliptical, <laughs> honestly. So I, we actually have elliptical. So I'll, I'll I'll play the Pacific Rim music as I'm as I'm using that. Yes, <laughs> that'd be so good. You're in a kaiju, just <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that that there's so many moments and the sound design is great. I think particularly when like that the cra- the claw is trying to grab at G- at Gypsy and it uses the coolant. And then it breaks it, and then uh, Gypsy does the like, finger thing. Goes, yes, it's so it's so satisfying to hear that. Just the it's, <laughs> and he like shoves his hand down down Otachi's throat, and rips out his acid spitter. Oh, and then uh, and then the reveal of all reveals the freaking like, and this is like <sighs> and then, then the music's like da 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 no and then and then it gets better. And, and, and then, and like, I know people complain about this, and I'm like, no, this is so. This cool. is the coolest thing pulled ever. Pulled out the sword. Pulled out the <laughs> like sword. Like Raleigh's like, we're out. Raleigh's like, we're out of options, Mako. And Mako's like, no, we got one more thing. <laughs> Activated sword. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know what? I think like that's how Batman should fight. Where it's like, there's, it, there's like another contingency <laughs> after another contingency, another contingency. Oh, he's got that to respond to this. What? It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like the modern day bat, like shark repellent spray. <laughs> like he's got that in his utility like, belt. He's prepared. <laughs> he's that prepared. And then, and then it's just that great, like iconic, like, like badass delivery line for Mako. It's like for my family. <laughs> and then you just see the slow motion just whoosh and it's just uh, it's so great and then it just it, it has let's just say it has an impact 
because they fought Earth. <laughs> and they landed a stadium of all things. <laughs> especially compared to this, oh especially God. since we're like comparing this to the to the to the first Gamma reboot that has a stadium bit, but that's all other thing. But yeah, but so much thought went into like the design and like the paint scheme paint scheme of all these of all these things, you know. I think about like Cherno Alpha. Like <laughs> <laughs> Cherno Alpha's head. It's just a it's just like a nuclear plant like stack. Uh man, I'm just like uh, my eyes are closed right now and I'm picturing everything. And I'm like, I just want to watch this right now. <laughs> like, we might have to pause a second so I can watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll see you in two and a half like, hours. Yeah, you can talk about you know, the rest of this if you want. I'm just, I'm just going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, like, this is, it's a movie about the world saving the world. It's a movie about friendship and bonds and, like, Sometimes, like, like losing someone you love is an extremely painful thing. Grief is painful. Like, even, you know, the, the quote-unquote the jerk character, Chuck Hansen, when we meet him, he's obviously like, cocky, he's a lot like Raleigh, but, like, a, more of a dick. And um, even he, like, has a nice character change in that, you know, like, we see, like, it, 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 I sort of cried up a little bit, too, when, like, they're going off to the final battle, and he and Pentecost are, like, going to share Striker Eureka for the final uh, mission, and he, and he's looking at his dad, and his dad's got, you know, Max the dog, the little bulldog that he has. Yeah. And, uh, this movie, this movie cares. That's the ultimate, like, say what you want about it, there's no question that this movie cares about everything in it. It cares about the aesthetics, it cares about the characters, it cares about the world, and it's clearly one of those movies that could have been something amazing if it had made more money, sadly, but it didn't. Um, and they've, tr they're like, I'll give, I'll give Legendary the credit for trying to continue it, which is nice. And did, did you watch the Netflix, the, the, the Black, the, the, the Netflix series yet? Yeah, I haven't I ha watched that. I have yet. not. I have not to. watched it yet. I'm a, I'm a bit nervous cuz I've heard I've heard it's like okay. But I'll I'll still watch it. I did I've read a, a couple of the comics. I've read the one that came out with the movie which was all right, uh which is written by Travis Beecham who uh basically created the story and then him and Guillermo del Toro wrote the script together for the movie that we got. And then there was actually a really good one. Uh, it was called it was called Pacific Rim: The Drift. The art is so good in that one. It's so good. If there's any Pacific Rim comic that I've read that I liked, it was that one. Actually, I'm glad you brought up Legendary because that was one thing I remembered from the Guillermo del Toro commentary track was how much he loved like Legendary's like support mm -hmm. of of this project, I, which I think said I think says a lot about Legendary as a company. Like I f I feel like that they're very um they are very like creator driven and they're very I agree um I yeah. think they have like they have a very good like I think of a very clear identity when you, when you, when you think about them and um I'm 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 usually pretty excited when I see that legendary logo I am too like like I remember you know when they were sort of like because it was initially like Village Roadshow or whatever that was sort of like the other production company that was working a lot with Warner Brothers and then he started seeing legendary a lot. And especially with like the Dark Knight movies, because they helped make those ones along with Christopher Nolan. Um, and I think I think they definitely um, have like a certain like the kinds of movie that they want to make are obviously like sort of genre movies, right? So obviously working with other studios, but like sort of the big ones they focus on, like the MonsterVerse. They now do Jurassic Park with Universal. 
Um, but then they also have their own comics. Like, like it's not like it's not just like comics based on like their their film properties, but like actual comics. Like, like we were talking about the Dracula book they released last year. That was yes, basically a, which is very good, an adaptation of Dracula, but it had Bela Lugosi. Which you know, it, yeah. it sounds like maybe it's just the Universal movie, but <laughs> but no, it's, it's not. It's, it's the novel. Yeah, it's, the no- it's, it's trying to be based on the novel, which is actually a very cool thing. Um, Pacific Rim, like it, it, it's such a unique um, property, I think, because it is made by a visionary, a visionary filmmaker. Obviously, I mean, we've talked about him too. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is is one of the best of the best working right now. I mean, he's. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, one thing I loved, like, when I was watching the special features, like, when he was saying that, you know, when he was building the world of Pacific Rim, he didn't want it just to be eye candy. He wanted it to be eye protein. You know what I mean? And so, like, he wanted there to actually be meaning and and substance to what you were looking at, which, like, we talk, I, I talk about Tim Burton a lot. Like, Tim Burton is, is, if Tim Burton is eye candy, like, he's, like, like the visuals with sort of a lack of substance which happens a lot with Guillermo he's visuals with a lot of substance there's a lot of thought like there's a lot of thought it's, like, it's I, ridiculous I, like, it's like James Cameron avatar level of thought that went into this no because like, I think about like Gypsy Danger like oh well it's sort of inspired like by like World War Two, like sort of like pilot like like pilots and like you know all that's that sort of aesthetic and you think about the other other ones that have sort of other like other thought presses behind it. It's just it's got that going for it. I think it's got it's got like I said we got it's got really solid characters. It has a sequel, but it barely got it. Like it was one of those things. It only just had the chance to have a sequel. Yeah, it just but it, it's I even with like the existence of other like related media, Pacific Rim I think stands tall as like a great example of how to do this type of this type of movie. Mm-hmm. And I think these two are just an excellent excellent pairing because like people think about giant monsters and of course the giant monsters are a big thing. They're a big thing in both movies, you know. Exactly. It's important to to handle the human drama very well because it, without the humans you don't have the sense of scale. You just have big toys. You need that sense of scale. You need you, you know what I mean. Yeah. You need that. I mean it's like we were talking about with Batman and Robin and how it 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 sort of um, feels like maybe uh, Joel Schumacher was forced to make it more like aesthetically pleasing so they can make toys out of it. And to some degree that helped and also hindered because then it just makes it feel like, you know, there there's a studio mandate and they have to sort of meet a certain thing. But with but they still made it work and like there was still times I wanted to buy a lot of the stuff that was in the movie. This one was was sort of making toys on purpose and making toys with a creative drive. So like I remember when it came out 2013, I'm 22, 23 years old. I don't I at this point I, I haven't really bought toys. Now I'm buying toys. I'm I had I had a Gypsy Danger. You still have one. I had a knife head. I <laughs> Dude, I have well, I don't have any of the kaiju, but I have Gypsy Danger, Striker Eureka, Coyote Tango, Cherno Alpha, Crimson Typhoon, and I think I might have like a like another like I it was one of those like toy lines where I had to I had to get a lot of them. I love the NECA the NECA figures so much. They're, I have they're so good. I have a gypsy that's out of the box where it's got the boat, it's got the sword. You know, it, it it's a th- it's really a th- and there's one thing I do want to get though at some point I have to get like a secondary market or whatever. 
is like the 18 inch Gypsy Danger that they made. Then I think NECA made this like a couple years ago. Yes. Um, I have to get it at some point, but you know, things are a little tight because we're actually working on other stuff um, that'll be happening later this summer. But more on <sighs> hint, that. Hint. Wink, in, wink. At, <laughs> like there's as it comes, and it's not necessarily it's, it's not even necessarily so. Like we planned the one thing, but then something else came about with this plan. Now it's like crap. Now we're gonna spend more money. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! Why do we want things? <laughs> Man, but yeah, this this is a movie we could easily talk about this for hours. It could literally be its own episode. It really quite frankly, could because it really could. There's so much to unpack with this movie and talk about and dissect. Like, we could just have, like, record our own commentary track on this thing, honestly, if we did that sort of thing. Like, we could just talk about, we could just talk about it through the whole movie. Um, and every, there's, there's the, like. Ugh. And mostly it would just be us screaming and giggling. <laughs> like, it'd be yeah! giggling. <laughs> and just saying, this quote, quoting the lines and everything. This is a movie that I would love to see on the big screen again. It is such a, it's such, it's perfect for that big screen viewing it's one of the best big screen experiences i've ever had in my entire life like like yeah there's i mean obviously you and i we both seen a lot of movies especially in the theater and there's there's so few times like i think i've like i can probably count on my hand like the most amazing experience i've ever had in a movie or the most memorable like dark knight is definitely one of them because i easily remember seeing that movie and what i felt watching that movie which made me see it five times in theaters and then uh, Mad Max Fury Road would be another one that I really felt something. And Pacific Rim, like no question, because it was it's a whole it was a wholly original thing. It wasn't a sequel. It wasn't a follow up. It wasn't anything. It was this whole new experience from a director I cherish immensely, as I've probably iterated more more often than not on this show. And it's it was just so beautiful in so many ways and i wanted even though i knew there were some people that didn't really care for it i shared this with everyone and i defended the hell out of it whenever anyone said the sword thing was stupid and i'm like have you ever thought maybe you're stupid i don't know (laughs) (laughs) just a thought oh my (laughs) but yeah both of these movies they're about you got friendship you got, you know, the connect, you, you got like bonds. humans connecting with, with bonds with larger things and also the people around them, relationships. Uh, it's, they're, they're both, I think it's it's a really nice sampling of this genre. Like, because typically with this genre, you'll hear about like Godzilla movies, which is fine because there's some great ones out yes, there. Yes, yes, But yes. It's, it's, it's nice to shine a light on Gamera, who is in many ways in Godzilla's shadow in many instances. Mm-hmm. And also shine a light on Pacific Rim, which is, you know, a blockbuster that in an age of, like, Marvel, DC, and superheroes is, is I think it's sometimes easy for, for people to forget that there was this giant monster movie that came out almost a decade ago that's pretty great. And it it's worth watching and just, just letting yourself exist in that world because it's a great world. We've talked about that kind of thing before here, just like that, that idea of wanting to watch certain movies so we can visit these characters again and Mm. like i remember i think it was around this time i went to new york comic-con and i remember uh, seeing guillermo del toro and it was just like (laughs) like i like i was like i was like 10 feet away from him and i was still like like freaking out just that he was in the same he was in the same spot and he was in my eye line i was like 
<laughs> Richard's eyes are like huge. They're popping out of his head right now. Uh, can't, you, you can't see it, but it's 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 off putting, but also uh, to be expected. Yeah. But no, I I had this. I had a lot of fun with this, by the way. Like I I, I found uh, another movie in the in the kaiju franchise that I really really liked, and I got to geek out with someone I again I am drift compatible with to talk about this movie that's that we both love. So it was great. It's always it's always nice to to share these uh, these experiences, like especially share something like this too, because like you know not every most people I know they're like, am I gonna like like a giant monster thing? I know you're open to a lot of this stuff, but I'm always just like. I was like, "Oh man, is he gonna like this? Is he gonna like camera? Is he? Is he gonna? What is he gonna think of this? Oh god!" Especially after oh, no. the Godzilla experience, I'm sure you were more nervous. I was, <laughs> I was admittedly, but I also was like, "You know what? This is. It's got a different approach." But yeah, mm. th- it just shows you when you have when you have like great talent behind th- these kinds of movies, like they can really shine. So, folks, what are your favorite like kaiju movies? What are your favorite you know Guillermo del Toro movies? Um, you know. Giant turtles or a giant lizard? Be honest. I'm a giant. I'm a giant monkey kind of guy, but I'm just a filthy American. So what do I know? <laughs> that's, that's that's fair. Uh, let us know. Let us know. We uh, let uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We each have letterboxes. Check out the YouTube channel. Also, also, even though we kind of mentioned it in the episode, this happened. But massive shout out to John Armstrong our lovely composer, one of our lovely composers who made a brand new logo for us. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's perfectly representing of everything. Joey, myself, speaking of drift compatibility and just like that Venn diagram thing, this image I think perfectly represents everything. It's beautiful. And there might be more. Well, who knows? Yes. Yeah. Massive, massive props to John. Also. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. We love you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that about uh, wraps it up check us out next week have a good night everyone thank you all for listening to two dudes one double feature this week please follow us on instagram facebook and twitter special shout out to alex ford who couldn't make this episode but we dedicate this episode wholeheartedly to him and we hope to see him in the future sometime soon John and Kenny Armstrong, the maestros, the magic men, music makers. Thank you again for making a great track this week. We love you guys so much. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We are traveling to heaven and hell via broad comedies. You heard that correctly. Stay tuned.